Hi, I'm Pete Seligman. Welcome to the Next Step Podcast. In this season, we're going to be focusing on search, search funds, entrepreneurship through acquisition, and all things related to that community and that ecosystem, particularly focusing on how can we build the marketplace in Australia and start to encourage more searchers to come to market and get to the point where they can own, operate their own business. Hi, everyone. In this episode of The Next Step, I'm talking to Heather Endresen. She's the Director of Search Funds Lending at Live Oak Bank in California, United States. It's a really interesting conversation, I find, because Heather has actually sought out to build a division within that bank that focuses purely on search. And that, for me, I think is really inspiring because it means that there is enough interest from a banking perspective in lending to these kinds of businesses and these kinds of deals. And so, in this podcast, what I've tried to do is to get Heather to talk through what is it about search that is such a positive thing from a banking perspective. Quite often, we find that deals of this size and businesses of this size and type struggle to get lending that's very flexible and innovative. So, usually, particularly in Australia, that debt is property-backed, it's highly secured, it's got director's guarantees, whereas what she's finding is that the search fund model and the elements that it brings provide some real benefits from a banking point of view, not only in terms of the creditworthiness of the borrower, but also of the efficiency of the lend. So anyway, I had a great time chatting to Heather and I hope you enjoy this episode. Good morning, Heather, or I think good afternoon from where you are today. Thanks very much for joining us on the podcast, and I'm really keen to talk to you about the search fund world, but particularly from a banker perspective and, and from a debt point of view. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Good afternoon. No, good morning. <laughs> and <laughs> good and where, where in the world are you? Yeah, I am in Orange County, California. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it's great for you to join us. And I think you can bring a really interesting perspective to the conversation, not only from a US point of view, but particularly, as I said, from that, that debt perspective. Before we get into the detail, could you just take us through how you came across search as a model and, and what you led you to this point? Yeah, it was interesting. About 10 years ago, I was managing SBA lending departments for banks. And one of my salespeople and myself were looking for ways to differentiate. And we became just strictly M&A SBA lenders. That's all we did. And uh, in the first couple of years of just doing acquisition deals, we came across the search fund model by accident and started noticing, wait a minute, there's something in common. We saw maybe two or three and, and started asking questions and, and then learning about it from there. And you know, gradually, we really embraced the model and, and kind of fell in love with it. It's interesting, isn't it? Quite a few of the people that I speak to, myself included, but you know, people from around the world, when I ask that question, the response quite often is, we just kind of came across it. It wasn't like some big bang moment where they went to a conference or suddenly learnt about the model. It was sort of slowly they became aware of the fact that there were people out there doing this thing. Right. That's uh, the case for a lot of the vendors that serve the space. But what's interesting is it really, especially here in the US, it's formed as a community. And so once you get to know one or two people in that community, it's very easy to learn who the rest of the players are. They're very welcoming. It was very easy to sort of dive into the community and get to know everyone quickly. I get the same sense. In Australia, we've got a relatively new marketplace for, for search, but we seem to be developing that same community sense. To me, it comes across as being very much so that abundance mentality rather than a scarcity mentality. You know, you, you don't feel as though people are fighting over the scraps. You feel as though everyone's really welcoming and trying to encourage more people to get involved. 
Right, exactly. It's, it's very refreshing. You would think that searchers would see each other as competitors when in fact they don't. They share deals with each other, maybe proprietary deals that they decided to pass on. They share different vendor recommendations, introductions to investors. They absolutely work together. It's really, really nice to see. Yeah. So for the benefit of the people listening from an Australian perspective and maybe for some other markets, can you describe the SBA structure? Just because I think that is something that's a bit unique in the US and that'll just give us a bit more context as to how you're operating over there. So the SBA program is where the government is guaranteeing a percentage of the loan for the banks to encourage the banks to make more small business loans. It's the, the SBA stands for Small Business Administration, and they have an acquisition portion of their program, which has great terms. So the searcher can put as little as 10% equity down. They usually will have a seller carry note of about 10 or 15% of the deal. And then the SBA loan will be for 75 to 80% of the deal. The SBA loan will be a 10-year fully amortized term. There are no covenants, but there is a personal guarantee requirement. So anybody that owns more than 20% of the business has to give a full unlimited personal guarantee. So it's kind of unique in the, in the sense that most of the searchers use the program. They still have investors in their deal, but they'll keep each individual investor below that 20% ownership threshold in order to avoid them having to give a personal guarantee. So usually they'll have to have that means they'll have to have between three and seven investors. They'll sort of divide up the investment amongst a few. And I think that's kind of helpful to them in the long run because that those investors form the board of directors that oversee the, the business going forward. And as a bank, we see that as one of the really value add portions of the model is that uh, there, there are these experienced boards of directors over these companies. And is that something that sets apart? I mean, obviously, that SBA program must get accessed by a whole range of businesses of that size. But do you see that there's, I mean, there's one difference there. What are the unique elements of the search model as opposed to the standard business ownership model that sets it apart for you as a banker? Yeah, so a standard borrower on the program that's not a search borrower is usually someone who is sort of semi-retiring from a career in a large corporation. They're going to use maybe their retirement funds for their equity, and they're going to just not have a board of directors, and they're going to go ahead and you know buy the business just themselves. I certainly made my share of loans to that particular type of borrower over the years. And honestly, the search borrowers have performed better. They've been younger. They've had less actual experience on the resume than, than these other folks, but they perform better. And we think, you know, part of it is the, the ETA, the education that they've been given and the elite education in many cases that they have. But also, I, I think that experience that comes from the board of directors and their openness to listening to the advice of others Whereas that independent individual that might go out and buy the business themselves, they might not be open to listening <laughs> as much as a searcher would. And they certainly don't have a board of directors to, to ask any questions. So I think it's, it's a key difference. Yeah, I, I think that's that board of directors component is something that I think is really valuable, particularly for the searcher from their perspective as well. When they go out and almost recruit their investor group, they're almost mm -hmm. kind of curating a group of investors that can also become their directors and advisors and help them through right. that process. So they almost deliberately ensure that they've got people that 
can coach them through. Yeah. And that coachability is pretty important. I mean, I know from my perspective as an investor in search, one of the key components is you want that searcher to be coachable because yes. part of what they're doing is new for them. And so if they're just going to put their head down and, and run off in the direction they see fit, um, then they're not taking advantage of that of that advisory group effectively. Right. And and as bankers, we even see that as well. Sometimes we we will be telling a buyer, we see some red flags in a business or we see some problems with it. And and those that listen, that's great. They, they're proving something to us. They might go off and find another deal. And there are some that don't listen <laughs> and don't take the coaching, as you said. And, and um, that certainly makes a mark on us as well as to whether we want to lend um, to, to that type of person if they're not looking at the red flags in a deal with open eyes. So what do you think are some of the other benefits from a debt perspective of the search model as opposed to other models? I mean, just then you were talking about that board of directors and that investor support. What are some other aspects you see in terms of the bankability of, of these businesses that come through search? You know, the model itself, it teaches the searcher to look for certain aspects of a business. So as a bank, we're sort of at the end of this large funnel of uh, searchers looking at lots of different businesses. And if they're following the model, they're looking for companies that, well, they might be asset light, and we're very comfortable with asset light. We don't care about a, a lot of equipment. We we much prefer to not have it, but they have recurring revenue. They have resilience over time. You know, the, the searcher is looking so much deeper at the different elements of the business itself before they're deciding that this is something they want to buy. So I think they generally follow the model and filter out those kinds of companies that have higher risks. Whereas that other type of borrower that's not a search borrower just might not see the risks through that same lens and might not see the problems that a searcher would otherwise see. And potentially the other borrower is actually looking to borrow so they can buy themselves a job rather than make an investment in a business, even though they're That's right. the operator. That's right. So the searcher is going to be looking at those growth channels very carefully. If there aren't good growth channels, uh, in fact, we just had a deal that we would have absolutely made a loan on. It was a great company. But it was really the leader in its market, so much so that there were no growth channels. And the searcher ultimately passed on the deal just for that reason. So I think there's a lot of ways that a searcher will look at a company that are very unique to a non-searcher. And I think they they select better companies. And I, I think one of the ways that that was sort of proven to us was uh, during 2020. We were pretty concerned at the beginning, let's say March, what was going to happen with some of these companies in our portfolio. Because they selected companies that were resilient to those kinds of forces, many of them actually did better during COVID than they were doing before. A lot stayed neutral and a few that had challenges. Again, those CEOs were so open to coaching and communication that they made it through very well. It's interesting. One of the, you know, as I'm speaking to people, particularly in the Australian market where this model is relatively new, some of the feedback is, why would you back an inexperienced CEO over an experienced CEO? And some of the things we've touched on here is, effectively almost the benefit of that inexperience as long as they've got the capability and the coachability. How have you seen that play out in in the US? Like are you seeing obviously there's a lot of people coming out of schools in the US and and moving into this model. How many do you see that are more experienced searchers come to the model kind of later in their career? Do you see much of that or is that very rare? No, we do see a fair amount. I would say I'm guessing maybe 30% of our searchers are what we would call mid-career searchers. So they do have much more of an extensive resume 
and they came to search for at a different point in their career for different reasons. Honestly, the inexperienced search, they, they do give me a little pause, to be honest. <laughs> so once again, that experience makes me wonder if they're going to stay open to coaching, if they're going to fully embrace the model, or are they going to think that they know better, you know, in certain aspects. So you're right, it's that inexperience, but the coachability that actually is one of the keys to success. One of the kind of gaps, like almost unsearch related in the market we see here in Australia is the it's almost structural around the ability for the bigger banks to lend into smaller businesses without very, very simple structures and, and credit models. So, for example, if if you're a, a small business owner and you're looking for debt, we don't have the SBA program. We've got some similar initiatives, but they're not as well, I don't think they're as well structured as, as the SBA in the US. But what happens quite often is because the volume and, and value of debt that's being lent on a case-by-case basis is so small, the payoff mm-hmm. for the bank is relatively small in an absolute sense. And so, therefore, the ability for the bank to invest in the teams that need to lend is also relatively small. So, they need to make it very, very efficient. And, yes. and the most efficient way to lend is really, really good security because you don't need to worry about the business, right? So, if you, mm-hmm. and, and to the extreme sense, and, and unfortunately, quite common is they'll just take some property security and that'll make it very easy to make a business loan. Do you see that the search model provides the ability for the banks to be more efficient in the way in which they lend because of what searches can bring to the table during that credit process? Absolutely. Yes. And and I would say we have something similar here too, where we teach searchers to be careful that they're not talking to what we all call an asset-based lender versus what we are, which is a cash flow lender. It really needs to be a cash flow lender to effectively lend into search because most good deals aren't going to have that real estate available as collateral or other collateral available. So what makes it more efficient from our perspective is the fact that a search community behaves as a community. So quite honestly, for us, the fact that we've established ourselves as as a bank that understands the model, we've gotten to know the investors and feel comfortable with them. And we attend the various ETA conferences that are held. So we get to know everyone that way as well. We don't have to do a lot of outbound marketing. You know, so a lot of it is really just coming in. That's making us much more efficient. I'm fortunate to work for a bank that understands how to be a cash flow lender to smaller companies. I think that's a key is that um, I, I certainly interviewed a lot of banks before I chose to come to this one because I wanted to pursue the search fund model. And I knew that most of the banks would lean heavily towards asset lending and really fully embrace cash flow lending to smaller companies. Because as you said, it's just easier. But the performance of the portfolio, now that we've been doing it a number of years, has become the data point for us to prove that this does work, it is efficient, and it's safe for the banks. Yeah, absolutely. And I've found, I mean, in my own experience as a searcher, taking debt packages to banks to try and get borrowing, you're in a position where you can develop much better collateral and much better content for them to then assess, right? So I would guess that the ability for a searcher coming out of one of the big schools and having all of that capability around the analysis and the cash flow forecasting and all of that kind of business strategy component means that they're turning up to you with a lot of that pre-baked and they're saying, I've almost done the underwriting for you in terms of the analysis and here are the key metrics that I think are going to be important for you as a banker to consider and then it's you guys actually then making a risk assessment on that basis whereas, you know, a lot of 
the baseline in terms of businesses coming for that kind of lending will just say, here's my accountant, here's my shoebox of receipts, <laughs> here's, mm-hmm. can you lend me some money? So I kind of get this sense that when you add the searcher to the mix for what is otherwise just a fundamentally small business, they can bring that level of professionalism to the pitch that allows the bankers to be more efficient in their assessment. Absolutely. The analysis, I think that's maybe how we first started noticing something was different about these search fund clients before we knew what they were, is that the comparison between what we would get from a search applicant to someone else was just night and day. We were getting beautiful analysis, you know, thorough analysis, insightful analysis that has never been applied to companies of that size at all. So absolutely makes it more efficient. And if anything I can say, it it taught me a lot. I've learned so much from reviewing the analysis of so many searchers over the years and how they look at different companies and where they see the opportunities. I also get to see what happens after we fund a loan. So it's not just a a beautiful deck that sounds really good, but it actually turns out really good. And they continue to look at the company through that analytical lens and and look at the opportunities that way. So yes, uh, they make our job easy. I mean, since this is in Australia, I can say this. I think my underwriter that serves our group has the easiest job in the bank. Because by the time we give it to him, it has 10 times more than any other file would ever have. Yeah, it's it's great. And how often, to that sense, after you've written a piece of debt for a business and for a searcher, how often, what's your process then for staying in touch with them? Like, do you get quarterly reports or do you do an annual review or how do you stay in touch after you've, after you've written the first piece of debt? So we do get quarterly updates, quarterly financials, annual tax returns. We have someone that supports us in that. So they do a lot of the day-to-day work, but we stay on top of it. And we're having ongoing conversations with our search CEOs about what they want to do next. So a lot of new credit requests will come out of our existing portfolios, such as add-ons. We always tell our searchers, if you plan to do a roll-up strategy, make sure we we know that going in so that we're not surprised when you come back to us with another deal in 6 months or 12 months but we're doing we're doing add-ons we're doing you know new equipment for some of the expansion and and again those are conversations we would have had in the beginning to know what the cost of the growth was going to be it's also one of the benefits of many of them using SBA loans in that we don't have covenants so if, a, if a, they buy a company where they're going to have to actually shrink the EBITDA by making investments, that's okay. They can do that without triggering a covenant you know, breach or something like that. Which is perfect because it's exactly like more often than not, it's what you need to do. I mean, if you want to grow the business, you're going to have to reinvest those profits. And so therefore, it's likely that you will breach what would be normal covenants f- for that kind of <laughs> debt. So having that flexibility to really kind of pull those levers to growth must be a fantastic opportunity for them. And what do you see, you know, obviously you've got this lens around the the US. What do you see in terms of the market there at the moment? I've heard that, you know, there's quite a lot of searches in the market at the moment and it's growing. Mm -hmm. What do you see over the next kind of five or 10 years in terms of the search market in the US? It is growing. It's particularly growing in the self-funded search model. And those are the searchers that use SBA loans. The traditionally funded search model, they use conventional loans and we fund them as well. They're not growing as quickly. I think a lot of the search... uh, investors told us they had a little more more difficulty recruiting the level of talent that they wanted for whatever reason in the last year. It probably was due to COVID. But the self-funded model has really caught on. We see tremendous growth there. We're actually trying to, we're starting to work with Harvard to build a self-funded search study 
that would be similar to the Stanford traditional search study. So we could start to track the statistics because anecdotally, we know it's growing. And one of the things that we've done because of that growth, we used to have one-on-one calls with every new searcher that we met and we changed recently. And now we have a weekly call because we have to aggregate them all for one big session. Not only do we have a weekly call so we can talk to more of them at the same time, but we also added some training for them, how to fill out our debt coverage model and how to prepare a deal teaser and giving them a template. So so now what we're telling our searchers is if you want us to look at deals pre-LOI and give some input, you have to do at least the debt coverage model and a teaser memo at that stage and give us some some of your good analysis right then and there to make us more efficient and also to help prove to us that you are the right person for that company. Yeah, and that's fantastically valuable for them as well, having some line of sight on what the debt capacity might be before you get into that LOI stage is is really, really valuable from a search point of view. It's interesting you say that self-funded search is is getting some momentum. I I think it's – and it's obviously one of those harder things to track. So, a study like that would be excellent because Mm -hmm. obviously they don't really hit the radar per se – until they bring the deal, whereas obviously the funded searches, they're hitting the radar as they're raising for their search phase. I think the same in Australia. We've probably, again, very small market, very new in this model, but we're probably about 50-50 in terms of self-funded versus traditional in terms of the volume we've got at the moment. And I think that there will be, it'll probably stay that way. I think there's a lot of momentum behind the self-funded search, particularly because I also think here, there's going to be quite a few of that mid-career searcher that will come through. And they've got, obviously got capacity to do much more self-funded search than what someone straight out of school would have capacity to do. That's a really interesting. A comparable study from Harvard would be, would be excellent on that front. Because I think also, having spoken to some people in Europe, that self-funded model is, is getting some traction there too. Yeah, the the equity deal for the searcher can be more appealing on one hand. And on the other hand, you know, it is a smaller company. So there's a trade-off there. The traditional searcher will will get into a bigger company and obviously, you know, they can grow the EBITDA even bigger. But the self-funded searcher, you know, generally gets a little bit better equity deal by having found the deal on it on their own. And I think that's appealing to a lot. We see a lot of veteran, military veterans that come out of business school choosing the self-funded search model just sort of appeals to their personality more. Mm. I'm actually working with a a veteran here in Australia who's just embarking on a self-funded search at the moment. So Mm. absolutely, I I think that model works quite well. And also that brings someone that's got an amount of experience from a career perspective that they can bring as well. And also self-funded search, I guess, does give you a bit more flexibility around mandate. You know, you can you can change direction much more quickly than if you've pitched a mandate to raise search funds and then you've kind of you are a little bit more constrained around staying within those bounds because you've got a group of investors that have backed those threads. And so one of the things that I'm really keen to do here in Australia and I've started some of these discussions already is really engage with the banks around getting behind this model because I think that as we've discussed, banks will have their teams that are focused on businesses of this size and type, but those teams are structured around the kind of lending and the kind of process that suits businesses of that size and type without the inclusion of the searcher and the capability they bring. And so in order for them to really leverage themselves into the search model, they do need to change a little bit the way they think about these deals and also the way that they resource them. If you were speaking to 
bankers in Australia, what would you suggest to them around their involvement and, and preparing themselves for getting more involved in a, in a search-like deal? They have to look at the fact that it is a more efficient way to generate business. So if, if you're looking strictly from the bank economic perspective, I would tell them that they're safer than you think they are, these deals. The loans themselves are, in fact, very safe, and they should talk to the U.S. counterparts like us about our experience with that. It's a good way to, to learn more about that. But they're also extremely efficient, as you mentioned, because of the, the group acting as a community, number one, number two, all of that additional analysis. My best advice would be for the bank to bring someone more from a middle market, like take a middle market lender and make them the search fund you know, person for their bank. They would understand a type of analysis that they're getting a little bit better. Uh, they would also understand cash flow lending and the elements. And it's the same elements of cash flow lending that you would apply towards a middle market company that we're applying towards these search deals. So I think that would be important is not to just segment it the same way that they're segmenting their their existing businesses that are not going through a change of ownership. This is a lot more complicated and complex than lending to an existing founder who is buying some equipment or needs some working capital. Yeah. So it needs um, it needs a banker with a different type of experience. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the the point to make on that front, which I think is something you've mentioned to me before, is that you can actually then leverage that middle market banker with some people from your business bank, from your your smaller part of the bank around the execution of these loans, but it's kind of guided by that person in the middle market who understands those aspects you've just described. Yeah. And one thing I, I didn't mention that's appealing to the bank is that the growth plans for these companies, they're probably many of them going to grow into your middle market customers in a few short years. And so it's worth the investment on that first deal or two that a searcher might make because they're going to become a more valuable customer over time. Yeah, they're not just going to come once, they're going to come a few times and probably for that business. But then also if they're successful in exiting that business, they'll come again. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. And they'll bring their friends. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> yeah. we get a lot of referrals, you know, from our existing customers. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fantastic. Well, I think our time's almost up. Thank you so much for coming on today and talking to us about your experience in the US and the experience in banking these deals. Because I think that one of the things that I'm really keen to do in the Australian market is look at all the points of potential friction for searches here and look at ways that we can mitigate or, or reduce that friction. And one of those things is, is getting debt. And I think yeah. that, you know, if the more we can educate and inspire some of the, the banks here in this market to start thinking a bit differently about deals of this size, particularly if backed by capable investors and, and capable searches, then I think that it's, it's only going to create good things. So thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more, please jump onto LinkedIn and find the group Search and ETA Australasia. You can also send me a direct message and I'd be keen to connect. 